0: The Rams are undefeated and head to their schedule's most difficult stretch. And it starts by facing off against one of the league's best QBs in Aaron Rodgers. Goff makes the handoff, rolls to his right, throws back to his left. Gurley the catch in the 15,
1: the 10, the 5 gets a block. Gurley goes in for the third time today.
2: Touchdown, Todd Gurley. Touchdown.
3: Hi, this is Sean McVay of your L.A. Rams. Hi, this is Jared Goff of your L.A. Rams. Hi, this is Todd Gurley of your L.A. Rams. Hi,
0: Two of your LA Rams. Hi, this is Akia Chalib of your LA Rams. Hi, it's Marcus Peters of your LA Rams. The Rams, the Packers. And we are getting you ready right now with Rams All Access. The voice of the Rams, JB Long, along with Marco Farr, give you insight into the game and the team as they look to get off to a 1 0 start.
3: This is Rams All Access. Welcome to this Week 8 edition
1: of Rams All Access with DeMarco Farr. I am J.B. Long, home again for the first time in more than a month, Sunday at the Coliseum. The 3-2-1 and one Packers face the 7-0 Rams. Uh, this franchise can win eight consecutive within a regular season for the first time since 1969. That was the only other time they had an 8-0 start. So that's wow. the opportunity in front of this Rams franchise but it comes against one of the great quarterbacks of all time, Aaron Rodgers, and the Green Bay Packers coming off a bye.
4: That's a big log in the middle of the road, right? <laughs> I mean, I, to get to 8 no, you got to go through Aaron Rodgers. At least the game is here, but special quarterback, special time. Uh, it's been a great season to this point, so let's hope they can carry it over to this, this Sunday in the Coliseum. All right, so I
1: promise somewhere along the way when this— unbeaten streak got started that i'm going to begin each episode of rams all access with demarco is this the week they have a letdown is this the week they stub their toe until it finally happens so with Green Bay coming to the Coliseum, mm-hmm. do you sense that Week 8 is that
4: week? No, I actually sense this team is going to get better, rise to the occasion. I mean, you heard Sean McVeigh talk about Aaron Rodgers and the effusive praise. And, I mean, it's 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 respect. So that's going to filter down to the players, to the coaches, to everybody. I mean, you're going to understand what is at stake on Sunday. And it's not about the record. It's not about moving to 8. No, it's about beating Green Bay. It's about wowing your fan base, beating one of the best quarterbacks to ever do it. So uh, when you get this accomplished, if you get this accomplished, then we can talk about being 8-0. But first and foremost, it's about the Packers. It's about Aaron Rodgers. So I don't think there's going to be a letdown at all.
1: That being said, the Packers will be the first team that the Rams have faced this season that comes into the contest with a winning mark. Granted, they're just a notch above 500, um, But the combined wins of the seven opponents to date for the Rams, 18. Next four opponents... The Packers, the Saints, the Seahawks, the Chiefs have 17 wins and a tie to their credit. So Mm -hmm. it's about to get real. I mean, this is almost a playoff-like gauntlet. Seattle, I don't know if they're up to snuff, but Packers at New Orleans, AFC game against the Chiefs, I mean, that could look like a January run.
4: Oh, that's the real deal. I mean, this is, I guess, preseason, postseason football right now. I mean, you may see these same next three opponents, or definitely the next two, down the road. So uh, this is going to be a lot of fun, but I can't wait to see how this season's going to end. Some of those losing teams might get on runs and finish with winning records. Some of these teams that are winning now could do the opposite. So uh, all you have to worry about if you're in a Rams uniform is just taking care of your man, taking care of the next play, and just trying to improve and get the get the victory any way you can. So... We'll see what happens with the records of these football teams when we're into January. Uh, Rams just swept a three-game road trip, and now they have four
1: games up to the bye. Those contests that I just mentioned, Green Bay, New Orleans, Seattle, and Kansas City. So this week's ESPN Los Angeles Rams All-Access poll question, what will the Rams record be? at their bye after those next four games uh, 10 and 1 was the most popular answer 43 percent of nearly 800 voters uh, thought that the rams would win three out of these next four games the next most popular response 11 and 0 31 uh, i think that the rams will still be undefeated going into the bye week
4: interesting uh somewhere along the way we're going to find out who's right who was the one Was it Kansas City? Well, that that didn't need to be specified necessarily. I think
1: it's more just because this little four-game gauntlet is is more rigorous than the Rams have faced to this point in the season. It's set up nicely.
4: It's tough. I mean, every team has a right to win. They're all good. Green Bay can beat you. New Orleans can definitely beat you. Kansas City is a problem. Seattle is a division rival. There are always going to be problems with those football teams, but as long as you stay healthy and as long as you keep your eye on the prize, just stay focused one step at a time, I I think the Rams can take care of business. I wouldn't be surprised if they came out 11-0 like the 31% said.
1: How big of an advantage, though, is the rest that the bye affords? The Packers, especially making this West Coast road trip where they can come in a day early. They're going to arrive on Friday. They're going to practice on Saturday. Uh, Aaron Rodgers might get to take the brace off of his knee i mean coming off a three-game road trip by comparison for
4: the rams that seems to be a competitive edge oh yeah rest is huge think about towards the end of the year how teams are really going after this victory and that victory to set up the first round by in the playoffs rest is huge especially now that everybody's beat up and tired and they're all banged up. If you're not banged up and you're a starter at this point in the season, you must stink. Hmm. You must not really be playing hard. Everybody's banged up, so rest is going to be huge. But that's only going to last for so long once you get into a game. That being said, when I got home on Sunday night from Levi's Stadium and the trip to San
1: Francisco, it dawned on me that because that game got flexed out of primetime, the Rams were effectively home to begin a new week before they would have been said had they you know played a home primetime game. Right so in terms of yeah. coming off a of three straight on the road, getting home in 45 minutes from San Jose, being in your bed Sunday night, uh, not the worst setup for coming back to the college. No, that was
4: great. 49, how long was the flight coming back? Like 49 minutes? I barely put my tray table down. It was awesome. And we we talked during the game. So imagine what guys like Whitworth, the O-line, yeah. all those guys How they feel getting into your bed at a reasonable hour and then going back to work. Many of whom, sorry to cut you off, got the
1: fourth quarter off of that Week 7 contest. So I also think uh, that's a contributing factor to why the Rams largely have a clean injury report preparing for the Packers.
4: That's why I really, really respect this staff. They're so in tune with everything. When you have a game in hand like you did against San Francisco and you have a chance to rest some of your front-line guys, if you can, get them out ASAP. Because... We've got this one. Now let's turn our attention slightly to the next game. Let's rest, guys, because you know the Packers are resting right now. Uh, the one player that you are likely going to miss this Sunday would be Cooper Cup for the second week mm-hmm.
1: in a row as he uh, rehabs from that knee injury, suffered on the horse collar tackle, and a win over the Broncos. Where did you notice his absence, if at all, against the San Francisco
4: 49ers? Uh, you know, it's it hasn't been bad on offense, but it hasn't been clicking as much as it should. It's... it's Sometimes early in the season, it seems like the passing game, things were just coming easy. It was Jared would drop back and guys would get open and he'd hit you right in stride and away you go. Some things you'd had to work for. So maybe that's the difference with having Cooper Cup out. He's just, and I asked this about about Cup to Sean McVay a lot. He's more than just a receiver, he's a great football player. He kind of, the attention to detail when he's in the game, the offense just flows better. So I think that's where you miss him the most. I
1: think I'm just, you know, thankful for the Rams' sake that 16 isn't on the injury report this week because I think the undefeated season, maybe even the division championship, all those things that are in store for this uh, Rams franchise, they flash before our collective eyes on that first third down at Levi Stadium when Goff got sacked.
4: No doubt. And this is what I would say to the offensive line anybody protecting Jared Goff because I've been on the other side, the defensive side, facing teams like this. And when you have a quarterback that's you know, getting up late and he might be a little banged up, you might take some liberties. So you have to block through the whistle. Make sure you protect him because I don't think Clay Matthews is going to back off one bit. If he can get a take 15 to put Jared in, into the turf, I think he's going to. That's only going to help them win the game. So you know what it is now for the Rams' offense and defenders facing the Rams' offense. Well, that just made me think that Aaron
1: Rodgers, while he might be taking his knee brace off this week, is in a similar situation, right, in terms of cutting the head off the snake. I mean, if there's one guy you can hit that you can rough up physically that will dictate the outcome of the game... Rodgers is less than 100% as well. No
4: doubt. His mobility is compromised, but he is still finding a way to get it done. And,
1: and you can't go at the legs of a quarterback. That's right. The
4: difference. Now, Jared, where he's, I guess, banged up, any sort of hit can aggravate that. I mean, you have to hit Aaron Rodgers probably in the knee to get that injury to flare up. All right. So we're going to
1: talk uh, a lot about the offensive and defensive sides of the football in this edition of Rams All Access. We will also have a guest from Green Bay for four down territory. Uh, and then we'll go around... The NFC. It used to be around the division, DeMarco, but I'm changing it up because the division is not competitive at this stage of 2018. We are changing it to around the NFC. That'll be our final segment. But what I want to finish this segment with is how ideal I think this matchup is in so many different ways, and we'll talk about them throughout the course of this show. Uh, But the first thing that comes to mind is look, you want to jump on the Packers early, of course, because you're at home and they're coming off their bye. Um, But then the key is equally to survive Aaron Rodgers late, and the Rams have been the best fourth-quarter team in the NFL, and now they're facing the best fourth-quarter comeback in the league, maybe of all time, in Aaron Rodgers. So it is strength against strength in so many different ways this Sunday.
4: Finish the race. Um, Even if you've got Usain Bolt beat, don't look back, because he's going to gain on you and cross you and pass you. So. Aaron Rodgers the same way with the Packers. They all believe with him at quarterback, no lead is safe, and that's how they play. So you've got to play four straight quarters, not just lip service, for real. Four straight quarters of hard football to get the victory. That's interesting because you're almost hinting, and
1: I agree that it's a self-fulfilling prophecy when you have that guy – at quarterback. And what I mean by that is Green Bay has been outscored 42-13 in the first quarter of this season. I mean, they have the worst first quarter differential in the league. That doesn't make sense given the talent that they have at their skill positions and the quarterback that they have. But it's almost like they tee it up for him to come back in the second half and in the fourth quarter.
4: No doubt. I think the defense in particular is built to be ahead. They're not built to be grinded out. But The Packers defense? The Packers defense. Okay. When you watch that Chicago tape and watch just the defensive side and see the energy they were playing with, and then slowly watch the scoreboard change, and here comes Rodgers, and you could see the energy just go out of them like, oh my God, we're about to lose this thing. We're mm. And sure enough, it happened. So <laughs> you have to play four quarters of hard football to get this guy out
1: couple of cal quarterbacks uh the signal callers this week week eight at the coliseum the packers and the rams we will start the next segment with sean McVay's thoughts on jared goff which quarterback past or present would he like jared to evolve into we'll pose that question to the head coach coming up next on this edition of rams all access Demarco marco far and jb long on espn la 710
0: Hi, this is Akee Chalib of your LA Rams. This is Rams All this Access. Leathered in the gut. From the 40, it takes a snap. Here comes the blitz
1: up the middle. It's picked up initially, but Aaron Donald picks up his four! Rams All, All Access.
0: Access. J.B. Long Access. and DeMarco Fox. ESPN LA 710. The ESPN app.
3: Hi, this is Jared Goff of your LA Rams. This is Rams All Access. <laughs>
1: Segment number two of Rams All Access, and like we said, we want to turn our attention to the Rams offense, and we're going to begin by uh, getting a response from Sean McVay about uh, who he envisions Jared Goff becoming over the course of his career with Aaron Rodgers coming to town. Obviously, there's some parallels with the way they're playing and their college days at Cal, Uh, but McVay's answers was one of the most insightful, we thought, from Monday Night Show.
3: I don't want Jared to be anybody else other than himself. And and I think that's a a real reflection of what's unique in coaching that long where you get a chance to be around some different people. And Jared's a special player. He's a special person. And I think what's unique about Jared is that he's so refreshingly secure in himself uh, that he's consistent. Uh, we talk about that poise and that confidence and that even-keeled, cool demeanor that he always has. I think, he, you know, in a lot of instances, you know, just growing up from the 49ers, and there's a long way to go, so I'm not making the comparison, but I think the demeanor, the poise, the confidence, the pretty, you know, you just look at the rhythm when he's in rhythm and how he's able to consistently, accurately deliver the ball. Guys have a chance to create after the catch, very catchable ball, and he can change his trajectory uh, and his velocity. You know, there's some similar things that, you, that was so revered about Joe Montana, uh, but, but I'm, I'm not making that comparison. But I think, you know, I want Jared to continue to just get a, be, you know, become a better version of himself, and that's what he's doing. Uh, we don't want him to be anybody other than himself. We feel like that's going to be plenty good, and uh, he's playing at a really high level. Wouldn't want anybody else leading our football team right now. And um, the best part about Jared is how coachable he is, how receptive he is uh, to the to the feedback, to being able to get some corrections on, on a week-to-week basis, and, and, and Zach Taylor's been outstanding with him.
1: All right. So some shades of Joe Montana, but Sean McVay very careful to say he only wants Jared to become the best version of himself. Uh, this is an interesting challenge because the quarterbacks don't play each other, but I think Jared knows in the back of his mind one of the game's all time greats.
4: Yeah. I think you could say it's guaranteed that Rodgers and golf will never be, they'll never come in contact during the game, but you are playing against Rodgers. He's playing against you. It's like playing golf. It's shot for shot, it's drive for drive, it's touchdown for touchdown. You are playing against Aaron Rodgers and one of the best, but I like the comparison of Joe Montana. I see a lot of Joe Montana in Jared Goff, the same sort of, I hate to say it, system quarterback, but it's not just about that. His accuracy on the move, in the pocket, everywhere, is almost letter perfect. The things he does to get the defense to bite is, is unmatched. I, I, I think he has a chance to keep improving, In a career and definitely this season. What I loved about that, and it's a
1: very mild comparison, a very tactful comparison, is Montana is often in the conversation for the greatest to ever do it. But he played in one of the best offensive systems of all time with some of the greatest coaches of all time and some of the greatest skill position players and offensive linemen of all time, right? No doubt. Where I'm going with this is for all that we've struggled with system quarterback season here in Los Angeles. The end game is none of that will write your final resume. And if Jared Goff thrives within this system with Gurley and this offensive line and Cooks and everyone else, he's going to come out the backside. Highly regarded.
4: No doubt. And it's funny to say Joe Montana didn't get enough credit, but I think the only thing that took from him was the fact that Steve Young took over. Right. And and it continued. You saw right away someone else could literally do what you did. Well, Steve Young can. You know, then when you turned it over to other guys, it kind of... Became more pedestrian or more real, but I mean those two guys, young and Montana, the only thing that separates them is one was left handed one was right handed but they're both great quarterbacks, and I think Jared can be of that same group because of the system he runs and how he does it just he is the, the he's the engine that makes it go if you can't get the quarterback to drop to a certain spot and throw on time and know what to do, the offense don't go.
1: Uh, One thing I've noticed studying the Packers earlier this week is that they play more man coverage than just about anybody. In fact, I think statistically only the New England Patriots play more man coverage. What do you think that means for the Rams' offensive scheme this week? Again, without Cooper Cup, but coming off a couple of weeks where Jared Goff has not thrown for the biggest numbers like we saw in the first quarter of the year.
4: There's going to be some opportunities for Sean McVay to dial up some I guess some deep balls take the top off the defense. The first guy I thought about was Brandon Cooks when you say man coverage. Well, he is a man coverage beater. Remember when he seemed to draw a penalty or a catch early in the season? Yep. I think you might see a return there. And maybe the screen game. Uh When you do get guys dropping out and turning their backs on Jared Goff, you might see the running back or Todd Gurley leak out a little bit more, and you might get one of those explosive plays. But, you know, play man at your peril, man. I mean, it's going to be tough. If Sean McVay and Jared Goff, if they know what you're in and can – predict what you're going to be in, eventually they're going to hit that play and hit the end zone.
1: Is that what McVay means when he kind of talks about the balance that they've established now means that in almost any situation, any front, any coverage, uh, the Rams, if they do their job, won't be wrong? Right. Because they have options, and as long as they're ahead of the change, which they have been more than any other team because they're the best team on first down yardage, when they open up that playbook... They can't be wrong, necessarily, if that makes sense.
4: It sounds arrogant, but it's true. But that means they've just laid the foundation that everyone's on the same page. So depending on what they see, they're going to adjust the routes, adjust the coverage, adjust protections. They've talked about it. They've been through it. They've walked through it. And they can also adjust on the fly. So no matter what you throw at them defensively, they're going to have an answer. The only thing that's going to disrupt the offense is if it comes out of Jared's hand bad or somebody gets beat up front and there's pressure that shouldn't be there and then that will disrupt but for the most part they've been great. Clean pocket means big play
1: and when I say they can't be wrong it doesn't mean that they're going to get results automatically. I mean there were some moments even during the week 7 contest where Jared Goff should have been intercepted I mean it it should have resulted in a turnover and maybe a different looking game so there are still uh, self-inflicted wounds that can derail what they're trying to do Uh, but I'm just saying with the the 11 that they're playing on offense right now even down Cooper Cup uh, because of their balance and because of their pro They can do a lot against almost any look, and they're forcing, I think, defensive coordinators to maybe come out of their comfort zone a little bit to try and do something special. One example of that that comes to mind is sending edge defenders
4: upfield to disrupt this this jet sweep action that has been so effective. At least take that away. But that also comes with pitfalls. Uh, If you're sending guys up, we call that box technique to where your defensive ends are just running straight up the field to build a wall to protect the perimeter. Well, you can't rush the passer from there. I know it sounds weird, but defensive ends or outside linebackers, when they rush the passer, it's a hula hoop towards the quarterback. If you're running straight ahead, by the time you get to five yards, which is what you're supposed to do in a box technique, the quarterback's going to be seven to eight yards away. And then you've got to go through somebody to get to him. So if you want to do this to take away that, they're going to have plays to take advantage of what you're doing. As long as... You can stay on the field long enough to take advantage of it.
1: Well, Todd Gurley coming off another three-touchdown performance. And the NFL's best rushing attack, belonging to the Los Angeles Rams, this week gets one of the worst run defenses in the NFL. And I imagine a lot of what the Packers did schematically at practice this week is try to shore up their running game, knowing that they've got Gurley in this offensive line coming at them on Sunday. Um, but for all that we just devoted to Jared Goff in the passing game, this still seems like an instance where the Rams can impose their will with their running game.
4: Absolutely. I think you can. And when I said earlier that they're built to be ahead, they're not very big. They're not very big up front, and they do a pretty good job of of being physical, but teams can just gouge them on the ground. So when you're watching them versus the Bears or watching Minnesota, watching Buffalo, just – have success on the ground with them, you think, what will Todd Gurley do? What will the offensive line do to these guys? Well, I think something similar, possibly more, because you do have Todd Gurley. If you can get him into the second level, who knows what's going to happen? Break a tackle, off he goes. But this is how I think you beat the Green Bay Packers. One, you have to get to Rodgers when he's on the field. Number two, keep him off it keep him on the sideline by staying on the field by running the football.
1: All right, so I got a follow up on each of those. I'll get to getting to Rodgers momentarily. Mm-hmm. Um but I'm I'm perplexed as to why the run defense has struggled for Green Bay because I have a lot of respect for Mike Daniels. I think he's one of the a more underrated defensive linemen. I mean, he's a poor man's Aaron Donald for Fair a, enough. a poor man's explanation. Uh, and then Kenny Clark is is playing at a great level. I mean, uh, run stuffers don't get much better than him. So I'm wondering where the breakdowns lie in the scheme uh, for Green Bay. And I wonder if it does have to do with the change uh, in scheme or in coordinator with uh, Mike Pettin taking over for a long time DC Dom Capers.
4: It could. I mean, look, if, if you look at all defensive categories, they don't have a single guy outside of Ha Ha Clinton Dix in the top 10. I think he's got three picks. That's tied for first. Their yep. top tackler is Martinez. He's tied for 18th. Yeah, they just don't make a lot of plays, they don't have a lot of good playmakers. On that defense. Even Clay Matthews, one and a half sacks. Well, that's that's not keeping pace with the rest of the NFL. So uh, some of the names are familiar, but and they're good players, they just don't make a ton of plays when they're on the field. You don't like
1: seeing a safety be the second-leading tackler in any defense, right? And That's, that's bad. That, that's what it is right now for Green Bay, and if I'm calling Kentrell Bryce's name a lot on Sunday, I think that bodes well because it means the, the Rams and Gurley are getting to that second level of the defense.
4: You saw it in San Francisco, and I think it came out during the broadcast. If the 49ers' defensive line, their front seven, doesn't do a better job stopping the run, you're going to lose another safety. Most of these runs are popping straight to the free safety on a dead run. That's a 240-pound back in Todd Gurley coming scot-free to any safety. You're going to have problems with that.
1: And I I think he only got hit about 15 times last weekend. I mean, part of it is the offensive line and the production, um, and part of it is just the fact that they're getting it to him in such great spaces and in short down in distance where, I mean— his touchdowns are wrecking his yards per carry. Uh, it's, <laughs> right. right. <laughs> like, right. <laughs> the end zone is stopping his progress before the defense is stopping his progress. I,
4: I think you can live with that as a, as a coaching staff and Champagne as a running back. problems, right? Definitely. This is good stuff. But I'll just say this about Green Bay's defense. They are a different bunch, and you can. it's like a, a a switch gets flipped when they do take the lead. They're a different bunch. They're more aggressive. This is what they're built to do is attack you. But when you have to catch and grind it out and play that style of football, that's not them. And they just get dragged down the field.
1: All right, in our next segment, let's go to your other point, the other key, which is disrupting Aaron Rodgers with your pass rush. How will the Rams do that? Uh, they might send Number 99, who's coming <laughs> off a career performance, and I want to give you time just to reflect on what he did against the 49ers. That's when we continue with DeMarco Farr on this edition of Rams All Access on ESPN LA 710.
0: Get a behind-the-scenes look at the team with the guys who are with them every day and goal from the eighth, they give to Gurley, he's through the left side and into the end zone, Todd Gurley does it again, 10 straight games with a touchdown. Rams All Access, J.B. Long and Marco Farr, only on ESPN LA 710 and the ESPN app. Hi, this is Todd Gurley of yeah, your yeah, LA Rams, this is Rams All Access, this is Rams All Access.
1: Welcome back to Rams All Access, the Los Angeles Rams, the NFL's final undefeated team, a chance to start 8-0 for only the second time in franchise history. Hope you will join us Sunday at the Coliseum, J.B. Long and DeMarco Farr. And look, I just wanted to carve out some time uh, for you to speak about Aaron Donald and what he did individually in one game against the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, Eight sacks now leads the NFL. Half of those came in one contest.
4: That's what he should do, that's what he's built to do, and that's what he can do. So, uh, I wouldn't say he won the game, but he definitely helped you beat San Francisco. He'll probably help you beat Green Bay, either through prep, because... This is what guys like him, especially at defensive tackles, what they do is you have to change everything in your approach just to block him. <laughs> so if you want to drop back to seven out a shotgun and do X, Y, and Z, well, we have to change that up front because we can't leave this guy single blocked on Aaron Donald. We can't leave two guys on Aaron Donald because we'll lose. You saw the play where they, in San Francisco, or San Francisco tried to run that little tricky little option with the fullback. He was going to flip it. Well, Aaron was definitely wrong on the play. He was just eight yards up the field and blew it up. So these are the things you can't account for offensively because you don't know where he's going to be or how he's going to attack. He's just that good. So when we talk about being just a defensive tackle or being the best defensive tackle in the league, I think it's a little bit more than that. Certain situations, certain games, certain drives, there is nobody better in the NFL than Aaron Donald.
1: He's the first interior defensive lineman in league history to record eight or more sacks in each of his first five seasons. I know that because he was the first to do it in each of his first four seasons, so we're just hacking on a year. The other names, Dwight Freeney, Derek Thomas, DeMarcus Ware, Reggie White.
4: All outside guys.
1: Correct. <laughs> yeah. That's why he's the first interior to do it. And granted, like, look, sacks weren't always an NFL statistic. I get all that. Yeah. But I don't think it's hard to envision how he is playing his position as well as anyone has ever played it. And for a four sack performance and another tackle for loss that you just described, that wasn't even his best play. His best play, the strip, the fumble recovery, um might go down as one of his top three plays of all time. I asked you this question in real time during the game. I mean, can you contextualize how hard it is to rip that football away
4: and hang on to it the way that he did. Yes, I've been in similar situations where you're coming off a block, disengage, then you have to take on a running back who's got a full head of steam. And most guys, like me, humans, are just thinking, get the guy on the ground. Well, he's thinking something different. I can wrap you up with one hand and rip the ball out with the other. (laughs) And he did it and got the rock out. So like I said, then, it stinks to be in a room with him. To be his partner, the guy next to him, or a backup? Because that's the standard now. It's not just good enough to make the play. You've got to go beyond and be a playmaker from that position. Not everybody can do that.
1: Uh, We thought he got your uh, sack record by a defensive tackle in Rams history last year. It turns out they Mm -hmm. gave him half a sack. He didn't get all the way there. So it stands at 11.5 from your 1995 season. Uh, Do you feel comfortable saying that if Aaron plays the requisite amount of games and gets the requisite amount of opportunities that's going to fall this year
4: it could fall on Sunday (laughs) (laughs) it could fall on Sunday no doubt all I said was when you do just point at me that's all what what I
1: I think is interesting is he might have some opportunities again this week because Aaron Rodgers will hold on to it, mm-hmm. and, and I say he'll hold on to it in the sense that he is confident enough in his ability to get out of a bad situation with his mobility, and he also throws it away so well. I mean, throws it away in the volume that very few quarterbacks can compare with because he knows when his clock runs out, but he wants to hang on to plays until they're absolutely dead. Um, so you might be able to get to him, but I think this is potentially the best offensive line that the Rams will play in eight weeks.
4: Uh, on the outside, no doubt. I like Bakhtiari. Is that how you say his name? The left Correct. tackle? He's the
1: number one rated tackle in football.
4: I think his name means young lion or something like that. I love the way he plays. He's tremendous. Balaga, I have a lot of respect for. I think in the, in the interior, I think they're in trouble. I think they really could be in trouble against Donald. And again, there's no way to help because remember, Indomic and Sue is still there. And Wade Phillips is also watching to see how you slide to or where do you, so he can take advantage and bring in blitzes. So, Either one of these guys that get lined up with Donald, I think it's going to be a beat. It's going to be a win. So Aaron Rodgers in particular, from my eyes, he tortures defensive ends outside linebackers by holding it and where he steps. He can really protect himself that way. He can't protect himself from interior pressure. There's just nowhere to go.
1: (laughs) Uh, Just to fill in some of your points that you're making there, and I I get it, pro football focus is not the end-all be-all, but... Uh, This unit owns PFF's top pass blocking grade, led by those tackles that you mentioned. If there is a weakness, it's at guard. Lane Taylor on the left, 36 at his position. Byron Bell on the right, 53rd at his position. So uh, their weakness, I guess if there is one, plays into the Rams' strengths in terms of interior.
4: Absolutely, and they're going to bring it. And anytime there's any pressure up the gut on Aaron Rodgers, he freezes, he holds the football. I mean, in years past, maybe... When he's 100%, he can make you miss a little bit. But most quarterbacks, they can't account for interior pressure. Either there's a guy there, scot free to the quarterback, or there's two. There's a guy and the body flying backwards. So there's not much to do but hold on to the football. That derails everything. So as long as you're getting consistent pressure there, you can sort of control Aaron Rodgers. And for as many as a great performance as Rodgers has put out, if you get great interior pressure, you might see the worst. You might see the worst of him come Sunday.
1: Interesting. For a guy that has 12 touchdowns on only one interception, uh, he has been sacked 19 times. But that's, that's a raw number. That's not percentage of dropbacks. And I'll point out that uh, the Packers' pass play percentage is at its highest rate since Rodgers became their starter 10 years ago. So he is throwing it more often. And part of that comes off of RPO. And I wonder if you can kind of just react to this for me. They run a ton of RPO, nearly double the league average, Um, and they also are in gun-run situations, meaning that when they do hand it off, it's from the shotgun. So from your defensive scouting standpoint, like when you see that on film, what are you thinking going into this weekend?
4: Well, if you get too wide in the middle, he's going to exploit you and run. And he can pull it down, he can find holes that other quarterbacks can't, and even with a brace on and it looks like he's dragging that leg, he's still smart enough to know where to go, how to pick up the first down, and then get down before you can tag him. But at some point, he gets trapped in the backfield, he's been hit a lot, and you can tell he does not like it. So when you do tag him, when you do bury him, when he has to pick himself up off the turf, it's not you he's going to yell at. It's going to be the guys in front. And that's going to affect them. That's going to feed you more on defense. But at some point, if you get a little too reckless in your pass rush lanes, he can't exploit you moving it. All right, we'll get the latest on his
1: injury, his knee recovery, in our next segment in four-down territory. But I think uh, one area where the bye week benefits the Packers most is that receiver. Uh, Devontae Adams has been sensational. Um, but that extra week of rest, I think we'll get Randall Cobb um, and Geronimo Allison back into their normal positions. And so whereas last week at San Francisco, it was a light day of work for someone uh, like Nikel Roby Coleman because of all the 20 packages the 49ers were putting out there, uh, this feels like a coverage game. Where do you think the Rams' secondary is at in terms of their recovery, their progression, to match up against these receiving threats?
4: I I think coming off Denver and then going into San Francisco, you kind of shored up or healed some of those wounds and got guys back in focus. Talking about Troy Hill in particular, Sam Shields. and uh, Marcus Peters, I think, is rounded back into form. He never lost it mentally. I think physically he was trying to get back to being healthy. I think he's going to be that guy, but... I agree with you, man. This is going to be a full-time job in the secondary. I think the Rams will be able to take care of the running game with just seven. I really do, in in the middle. And I I like Green Bay's running backs. They all do different things, and they do them well. But I think you'll have a chance to stop them traditionally, which means Rodgers is going to be slinging it at you 50 times.
1: I just thought of one other thing, and we're going to finish this segment with Sean McVay, who loves offense, studies offense, and his perspective on who Aaron Rodgers is. But I thought of one other thing, and that is, only Tom Brady is blitzed less often than Aaron Rodgers. From, is your interpretation of that that those guys are just so next level in terms of how they can manage the line of scrimmage that it's counterproductive sometimes to send extras because they know how to beat it?
4: Well, you just have to be smart because teams have sent blitzes to Rodgers and, and they've gotten there. But it rarely happens that you can fool him. Because if you send in a blitz and there's one guy off that's – lined up where he shouldn't be, or not given the right body language, he's going to recognize it and not let you know and then throw around it.
1: I just think it's interesting because Wade, by reputation, Wade Phillips, loves to blitz, loves to send extras, loves to dictate rather than sit back and wait. But he hasn't done it at as high a rate this year necessarily as he has historically because he doesn't need to because he's right. getting there with the guys that you've already talked about so that's one of the things that i'm curious to see how it plays out in terms of game plan and adjustments on sunday like how much do the rams blitz and how effective is rogers against it just something to watch all right we'll turn it over to sean McVay to wrap up this segment keep in mind we're going four down territory next uh, but we couldn't resist asking one of uh, the most brilliant offensive minds in the game to reflect on what the quarterback of green bay has done the two-time mvp here's coach mcveigh
3: He's incredible. You know, I just the, you know, the mastery of the position that he has when you just watch him from afar Unbelievable athleticism to buy time, to escape, to create the off-schedule plays. He can make every single throw, some of the throws that he makes, and the ability at which he can speed it up at the top when he sees something and how quickly and accurately he can deliver the football in a timely manner with a chance to run after the catch. He can throw the ball in rhythm. Uh, when you talk about when you just listen to him from an audio standpoint, the command that he has on his cadence, you know, because that's one of the advantages you do have offensively. You know, you decide when that play is going to start within the framework of the four- 42nd play clock um, just his overall ownership and his ability to make people better around him that to me is what separates great players uh, and that's what he's done
1: all right, Sean McVay on the six-time Pro Bowler Aaron Rodgers, who is undefeated four zero against the Rams franchise, but of course he has not faced the Jared Goff and Sean McVay led Rams. That's coming your way on Sunday at the Coliseum. Hope you'll join us. Coming up next, a trip inside opponents' territory, four down territory. After this on ESPN LA seven ten.
0: It's time to get you set up. The Rams, the Packers. The Packers. All access. Pro football is a game. Come on, come on, come on. This is four down territory.
1: We continue with Rams All Access, and this is 4 Down Territory, our weekly trip inside opponents' territory with Rob Domofsky, who covers the Green Bay Packers for ESPN's NFL Nation. Uh, Rob, welcome to the program. We understand that Aaron Rodgers might be ditching the knee brace for the Week 8 contest against the Rams. Uh, Will he, and does it really matter?
2: It probably doesn't matter except to his mental state of mind. The only thing I can tell you is he's practiced with it all week, so it would be unlikely that he would just ditch it for the game. But watch him scramble. He had a 21-yard run right up the middle against the 49ers. It's really a mental thing more than a physical thing.
1: Well, I'm sure it'll help his uh, mental psyche to see the additional weapons at his disposal this week coming off the bye, specifically in the passing game, Rob.
2: Yeah, Randall Cobb and Geronimo Allison both have missed multiple games. The first uh, three weeks of the season it was pretty much exclusively Devontae Adams, Randall Cobb, and Allison as the three wideouts. They should be able to get back to that this Sunday against the Rams and that gives Rodgers his three favorite targets. All right,
1: continue with Rob Domofsky here, ESPN NFL Nation. He covers the Packers. This is four down territory. Question number three. Is the Green Bay defense capable of stopping Sean McVay's offense? And if so, how do you think they'll do it?
2: Boy, it seems unlikely. They're still going through a big transition from Dom Capers to Mike Pettin. Clay Matthews told me this week that they have to get Jared Goff off his spot. The problem is Matthews is about the only pass rusher that they've had on a consistent basis with occasional help from Nick Perry, but it's going to be very, very difficult for them this week.
1: And given what's ahead on the schedule for the Packers, it's very road-heavy, good competition. How important do you sense it is Uh, for them to win in L.A. coming off their bye week?
2: Well, Rodgers called it the toughest stretch that he can remember, four out of five on the road. Uh, The one good thing they have going for them is they're 9-3 under McCarthy coming out of the bye week, which they are right now. So they're going to be feeling good. They'll probably have some new wrinkles, but it's a huge start to a huge test.
1: Rob, we appreciate your perspective. Thank you for carving out a few minutes for us midweek here. We look forward to the Week 8 showdown at the Coliseum. My
2: pleasure. Hope it's a good one.
1: And we bring DeMarco Far back in to continue our conversation on this week eight edition of Rams All Access. Los Angeles looking to stay undefeated. One of their biggest tests yet, Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. A couple of other individual performances that I wanted to get to here in this segment. Um, and I think we owe Corey Littleton some time because he was, uh, really impressive against the 49ers. You could argue it was his best game as a pro. And I'm not just saying he blocked another punt. I'm saying what he was doing in the middle of that defense, whether it's sinking into coverage, whether it's uh, a late fire of his gun to get home on a blitz. Uh, he's really doing it all at the midway point of his first season as that Mike linebacker.
4: You know, back in the day, uh, there was a guy named Donnie Edwards that came out of UCLA, played for the Chargers, went to Kansas City, uh, was, uh, I think, four or five years in the Pro Bowl, as a couple years as an All-Pro, just like Corey Littleton, a linebacker that never left the field. He was tough enough for first and second down and athletic enough to play on third down and also on special teams. Roman Pfeiffer, who actually played for the Rams, similar guy from UCLA. Look, I think Corey Littleton can have a similar type career where he's a 23-pick, 25-sack type guy, leads you in tackles every single year as long as he stays healthy. The things he does outside of the numbers, getting guys lined up, communicating on the bench or on the field has been great. And then you have to stop and say this is his first year doing it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Maybe he always could have done this, and this is his first opportunity, and he's starting to flourish. Or, look, this guy is on the rise as to becoming one of the best inside linebackers in the game, possibly in the NFC. I love what I see out of Corey Littleton on game day.
1: I think the coaching development uh, is part of the untold story of the success of this Rams staff. And part of the reason why I think it's so important... Uh, Going forward is if you're going to get a little salary cap squeezed, right, with the big tickets that you're paying, Mm -hmm. you're going to have to find continually players like Corey, who went undrafted, was playing a different position at times during his career, who can blossom in roles that you need to fill for slightly less expensive price tags, right? I mean, you let Alec Ogletree go because you see his potential, and not only is he less expensive in terms of the salary cap, he is outperforming without question the guy he's replacing.
4: That is so funny. I haven't thought about Tree in a long time. I mean, that name just – and not that I didn't like the guy. I liked him when he was here, but since Corey has stepped in – there hasn't been much of a drop off. If anything, like you said, that position has gotten better. Mm. And I like the fact that Mark Barron is back to looking like Mark Barron. I was
1: going to ask yeah. about him because, you know, uh, the usual grading services uh, say that he's probably the one starter, offense or defense, who's not performed worthy of his job to this point. Where do you stand on on Barron and how much longer he Deserves to be in that starting role, I guess.
4: I think he's through preseason now. Didn't so he's play. Coming a lot. Around. He's coming around okay. and what I saw in Denver was a guy that was trying to figure it out, find it. And versus San Francisco was a little bit different. He kept winding up or wound up where the ball was. That's where inside linebackers are supposed to be. So I think he is rounding into form, so his best game is still out there. But I think we're getting closer and closer with each rep.
1: I mean, both he and Corey undoubtedly are benefiting from the group that's in front of them, right? I mean, we we can't sing Aaron Donald and Sue's praises enough. uh, But because of what they're doing, uh, there's a lot of clean lanes to be running to hit ball carriers, right, for those middle linebackers? Yeah,
4: when you can have a clear lane to the football, there's no reason you shouldn't make it for either a zero or a loss with these guys. Especially with guys like Sue in front of you. Donald... Look, he's a one-man wrecking machine. Every now and then you might get two in your face because he voided a gap, but he's eight yards in the backfield making the play, so that's good. But for the most part, if you play consistent and play sound defense – these linebackers should make most of the plays.
1: I want to touch on a couple of special teams things, but before we leave, Corey Littleton, uh, here's Sean McVay on the uh, man who wears the green dot in the middle of his defense.
3: I think is just playmaker with unbelievable versatility, athleticism to influence and affect the game in a variety of ways. He's outstanding in coverage. Uh, you know, the third down that you're talking about, he did a great job adding on. Uh, you know, in a man coverage principle to be able to get the sack, and then you know the screen recognition where he gets the TFL, and and you know those are the kind of things that. Uh, players with a great field do when they also have the athleticism to match up with their preparation throughout the course of the week and uh, he's really playing at a high level and, and Joe Barry's done a great job and, and really his command of our defense the communication that that entails being that Mike linebacker um, you know he's he's been great
1: uh, to say nothing of what he's doing on special teams with another punt block and Joe Barry the linebackers coach who was mentioned there uh, in a mic'd up segment uh, that the Rams produced basically reacted to that by saying Will somebody please block Corey Littleton? <laughs> I agree. I mean, that wasn't yeah. even a punt block play that was on necessarily. The one that resulted in the safety—that right? was him.
4: <laughs> it was just him beating the yeah. long snapper. Okay, this is what I say. The next time Corey Littleton blocks a punt, we'll all be happy. But everyone on punt team should be fired. This guy has blocked more You've punts. Been put on notice. You you know this guy can block punts. He is dangerous. You better make sure you have him sealed up to get the punt off. If he gets one again. Just keep walking towards the exit.
1: Well, the more you shore up against him, too, I mean, that means that JoJo Natson and what they're doing in punt return to steal free first down should continue to thrive as well, right?
4: Absolutely. And But it, it just makes me wonder. Remember, the Rams have an all-pro returner that's injured. Yep, Farrell Cooper. What do you think he would be able to do with some of these returns, especially when you're punting out of your own end zone?
1: Yeah, I mean, look, I don't want to take anything away yeah. from Pharaoh in the year that he had. Yeah. Um, but I think it's clear that Bones Fossil, no matter who he is working with, is going to find a way to get great results. Absolutely. Now, the, the one thing that you really can't control is a place kicker who's out there by himself in his right foot, right? And, right. And... I don't know that there's a bigger addition to any roster in the National Football League right now than Greg Zerline coming back to join the already productive point scoring ranks. No
4: doubt, uh, the, the professional football especially is an arms race, and if you've got a guy like him, you've got the edge. It helps play calling. It helps your offense. It helps your defense. It really does. When you cross midfield or one first down past midfield, you're almost in range for at least three points. Now. That could ice a game, that could put you so far ahead and make it a two-score game, or whatever. It's just it's points that are in your back pocket that other teams can't get. You just don't have that sort of guy. It's like having Donald on your D-line. You don't have that, the Rams do. You don't have a guy like Zerline, the Rams do. You can bang it from just about anywhere.
1: Uh, the Rams have the best starting field position in the National Football League. All the dynamics that we're talking about are at play there. Um, but because you mentioned crossing midfield... I feel like Sunday's game is going to come down to Jared Goff getting the Rams across midfield, so that Greg the Leg can kick a game winner.
4: You think so? I like it. So oh, so Roger scores. and then it the Rams. Have to, out, I, I see like it, it
1: playing out where Roger scores either to tire or to go ahead, and I think this is the moment where Jared Goff like truly checks off another major box. Like wow,
4: I like it. A fourth quarter comeback. Yeah, which would help because you have Zerline. So all you do, all you really need to do is cross midfield. <laughs> so it's a twenty yard drive. <laughs> we'll revisit next week, and you can laugh at me and be like, "Oh, JB, remember, no, that, no. Uh, remember I like that, that vision." Zerline
1: no. game winning, but like in the McVay era, all the wins that they've had, he had that big game in Dallas, right? He set the franchise, tied the franchise record for makes. But you haven't really had that like nail biting. It all comes down to this, right? Is like, the closest thing maybe the throw to Cooper Cup in the end zone against the Seahawks last year that that went incomplete like is that is that the closest
4: that should have been the moment for him for it should them. have been no that no it should and, have and, been right
1: there i think he yeah, deserves yeah. credit for that drive that you orchestrated but we haven't been there yet and it feels like in this four game if it's not this week in this four game stretch i bet it shows up
4: marshall falk in his hall of fame speech said he wishes he had one more drive with the greatest show with one minute on the clock down by six one minute on the clock down by six and you got to drive 80
1: I, I like that it's a running back saying that. Like, we're not crossing midfield. <laughs> right, no, no. we're down six. <laughs> we gotta go. Right, <laughs> the, the kicking team is done for the day. Absolutely it's on us. Yes. All right, one more segment to go on this edition of Rams All Access, and normally in our final segment we go around the division. But because of where the division stands, I'm calling an audible, and we're going around the NFC. We're talking playoff picture after this.
0: Learn about the matchups. Hear about the biggest storylines. First down and 10 from the 19. Goff throws
1: left side. End zone caught. Brandon Cooks at the goal line.
0: Touchdown, LA! He beat Akella Witherspoon and it's 21-0 in San Francisco. We are getting you ready with Rams All Rams, Rams All Access. Rams All Access. JB log with Marco Farr. Only on ESPN LA 710 in the ESPN app. Rams 03, one, two, three, Rams! Hi, this is Dom Kinsu of your LA Rams. This is Rams All Access.
1: I lean on football outsiders for updated playoff odds. And as we welcome back to Rams, all access to Marco Farr and J.B. Long. Uh, here's how it looks going into week eight for the Los Angeles Rams. There is a 77.9% chance that they end up with the number one seed in the NFC. A 92.9% chance that they get a bye. A 98.4% chance that they win the NFC West and a 99.7% chance that from 7-0 they make the playoffs in some way, shape, or form. I, I know that you've spent a long time with this franchise and that those percentages are foreign.
4: It is. It's weird to talk about them, but <laughs> hey, look, if you've earned it, you've earned it. Then so be it. I mean, you're 7-0, and and these are the good things that come with it, so I can get used to this. Well, that's why you know normally we'd
1: go around the division here, and I'm happy to talk about uh, 49ers Cardinals with you, but I would prefer to talk about some of the other matchups from around the NFC because the Rams are the only undefeated. The Saints are the only one lost. They play the Sunday night football game in Minnesota. We'll talk about that one. And then there are four teams in the NFC with two losses, uh, including one of them, the Vikings uh, and the other a Packers. They each have a tie. So really it's not Uh, Just a uh, two-games-back scenario. Um, But let's go through this week's meaningful games. We'll we'll make an attempt to go around the NFC and improve the Rams' uh, playoff picture. The Eagles and the Jags in London, a matchup of a pair of three and four teams, and a question, can the AFC do the Rams another favor and gift a win over the NFC?
4: You know what? I I think the Eagles at some point are going to rally, and I like what their coach had to say, that now the pressure's off, and I understand what that means. Defending a championship, a Super Bowl championship, is the toughest thing in sports. I, I could care less what other people say. It is hard. You get everybody's best shot, and it seems like you just got done celebrating, and then you're back on the field, so... The pressure being off could probably help them, so we'll see what they do against Jacksonville. And I think Jacksonville is just a mess.
1: With their quarterback situation? Just
4: the whole thing. I think it started in the preseason with Ramsey popping off, and yep. you gave too much bulletin board material, and it just went backwards on you. So we'll see. But I think Philadelphia is going to write the ship. Is uh, Jags and London a-, a home game? Might as well be, right? Yeah. Interesting. That's their... Second home. (laughs) Another AFC
1: NFC game that I think has some potential would be the Jets at three and four going to Chicago to face the Bears at three and three. I mean, look, when you have a rookie at quarterback, you're going to have your highs and lows. But when the Jets have had their highs, I think they're capable of beating the Bears when they're on a low.
4: I'm still I haven't forgiven Trubisky for losing to Green Bay in Week One. I mean, you had it, you had that game, you had Green Bay down and out. All you had to do was just be competent, stay on the field a little bit more, and the clock will take care of itself. And sure enough. Uh, they made enough plays against you, so you lose. So I, I don't really trust Chicago at this point.
1: All right. Every AFC win over an NFC team counts, I always say, in mm-hmm. terms of week-to-week when you're looking at the playoff picture for the Rams. Uh, here's another one. Ravens 4-3. and three. They couldn't get the Saints for L.A. They couldn't get the Saints, uh, but they go
4: uh, to 4-2 and two Carolina this week. You know, uh, I just read something um, Cam Newton isn't throwing this week in practice or at least the media hasn't seen him throw. So, look, that whole offense is predicated on Cam being Cam. If he's not Cam, then I'll take anybody playing against him.
1: I right, do want to touch on one division game. The Seahawks and Lions in Detroit is intriguing to me, both 3-3. Three and three. It feels like, especially with the the move for snacks that Detroit made, uh, a run-stuffer in his own right from New York. The winner of this game may be back on track to get a wild-card spot.
4: See, when we left Seattle, I said, we're not done with them, and they're not done with the Rams. I agree with that. They, they'll be they'll be hanging around, finding a way to get this ship righted, and I think they're going to.
1: With the thumping they put on the Oakland Raiders in London coming off a bye, I think you're right. I think there's kind of been a changing of the guard there and some personnel, and they might be a different team in the second half. Um, also, don't sleep on Washington, Four and two at the Giants, who are really limping. A chance to become a contender. Sean McVay's old team could get their fifth win this week, so we'll have an eye on that game as well. But here's the biggest one. Saints five and one. They're of course the next opponent on the Rams schedule after week eight. Four and two Minnesota in Minneapolis. It's a Sunday night football game and they made a good choice there. Who should the Rams be rooting for between the five and one Saints and the four and two Vikings?
4: I root for the Vikings even though they're dangerous and can hurt you. Um, I just have I, I have a fear of, of Drew Brees and what he can do. So you're
1: saying take just put another loss on the Saints? Yes. Even if it means that they're going to be refocused or feel like their backs are against the wall at home in the Superdome when the Rams come in next?
4: Yes. Stack as many losses against them as possible. I, I think if you have to match up with Minnesota down the road, you'd feel comfortable with that matchup. It's just Drew Brees in these big situations should make you nervous. He's that good. The reason I highlighted
1: is these are two places where I think the Rams don't want to go to. Not that they can't win in the postseason, I get it, but you're now playing for the ideal January, right? Right. You want to buy, you want home field throughout, and I think a few of the places you want to avoid are the Superdome, Minneapolis, Philadelphia.
4: Definitely Philadelphia. Absolutely. Um, if you have to go to carolina okay so be it uh at least in new orleans you're inside um minnesota too but it gets loud in there so i absolutely absolutely you want to have these teams coming to you that's the best possible way to get through them but if you can pick this is just my opinion and i might be biased but i'd like to avoid drew Brees if i could All right, it has been more than a month since
1: the Rams have played at the Coliseum. The last time we were there was a Thursday night contest against the Vikings, and it was electric. It was such a great atmosphere, and I left DeMarco feeling like the days of uh, the L.A. fan base getting beat up on TV and social media because of the empty seats at the Coliseum were behind us. I think with where this team is, uh, the opponents that they play, the caliber of the game— Uh, and a year and a half left to go in the Coliseum, I think the Rams are riding a surge into Inglewood.
4: No doubt. I like the way you put it, surge, because when it gets at a fever pitch in the Coliseum, I swear you can see the excitement. Like, you can see the crowd noise. It gets that rocking in there. So as long as you keep scoring points to feed this fan base and they keep getting loud for you on defense, this could be a pit of you-know-what for every team that comes through here. But look, it goes both
1: ways in terms yeah. of the, there's going to be a ton of Packers fans there, and I think that's part of professional football in Los Angeles, and I think the, yeah. the proportion will continue to grow in the Rams' favor as they uh, continue to win games and as they move into Inglewood. Um, but I don't resent the fact at all that there are visiting fans in the Rams' home stadium. In fact, I think that makes for a really electric game atmosphere. I think it's kind of fun.
4: As long as you have more than them, yeah, then so yeah. be it. I mean, when it goes the other way, when their fans are packing your home stadium and you're getting booed, that's when it goes south. But I, I love it when Green There's Bay... There's some back and forth. I love it when yeah, they come to yeah, town, yeah.
1: Yeah, this is going to be a, a great contest. I just have a special feeling about this one in Week 8. The undefeated Rams and the Green Bay Packers, led by Aaron Rodgers. We will talk to you then. For DeMarco, I'm JB. This has been Rams All Access on ESPN LA 710.